Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. Yes, you did. What's up, weirdos? Recording to you live from a double tree in Austin, where I'm here. I'm here through the weekend. That's going to be fun uh, for some shows at the Cap City Comedy Club. If you're listening to this on Friday, that's happening. If you're listening to this later, this is the past. You know things that I don't know. I'm uh, t- excited to bring you this episode. I'm thrilled that people love the Bill Burr one. People love the Emily Gordon one. And this is a great way to keep it going with another favorite of mine, Steve Agee. So let's get into it. As you know by now, the show is brought to you by Gamefly. Go to Gamefly.com backslash weird for a two-week free trial. This is a video game delivery system. They send you games. You play them. You send them back. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. They have all the hits, like uh, Batman Fever. They have uh, Call of Fiesta. Call of Fiesta 2. Call of Fiesta Modern, Modern Warfare 2. Sorry, I got that one wrong. Uh, Sonic. Sonic. <laughs> Just the original Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, but seriously, they have all the, all the latest games. They got uh, Arkham Asylum. They got Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And they send them to you. You send them back. Please get into it. Try your trial. Also, Katie, who's not here, play that crispy music while we do some, uh, while we do some tour dates. After Austin, I'm going to be in Madison at the Comedy Club on State March 1 through 3. March 13th through 16th, uh, I'll be at South by Southwest, back here in Austin. We're doing our first You Made It Weird Live on the 13th, so come out to that. Uh, April 12th through 15th, Portland for the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. May 10th through 13th, Laughing Skull Atlanta. May 17th through 19th, Salt, Salt Lake City in Wise Guys, in Wise Guys, at the Club Wise Guys. And uh, May 31st through June 2nd, Comedy Attic in Indiana. That's it. This episode's real crispy. Oh, you figure out, this is where we find out where crispy came from. So, ready? Go. So she probably would have hated it. Up here, we were already dating and it was my nickname for her. Up but Pierce. Up Pierce. Pierce. Up here, it was here's. Here's Pierce. Uh, give it up, Crispy. <laughs> give it up, Crispy. 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 Mouse, are you recording. now? You are. We had a good opening thing earlier. Now just crisp, crisp. Uh, hi everybody. Hi. No, not you. Oh no. That's the old tugboat that lets us know when we've made a made a mistake, made a po- podcast foul. Oops. Oops. It's me, your host, Pete Holmes. And I'm here with Steve G. A G. <laughs> Did you really think my name was a G? No. Oh, okay. I've never, I have never yeah, I've once. Never, I've never once called you Steve G. I can't. I can't remember. I don't remember. Well, I. I a now, lot of people do. So. Having said that in jest, I, I realize now you must get that mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah, I well, get it's spelled A G E E. Yeah, a G. I mean A G A G E Y. I really stumped you here. I don't know. I, I've heard every. <laughs> Bastardization of the name, son of a bitch, son of a biat. Well, Steve, you're a friend. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Why do you say it that way? I am a friend, and I've wanted, I've wanted to have you on the show for a long time, and I'm glad that we're finally starting to get annoyed every time I'd be over here. I know, and be like, 
Oh, we got to be quiet. Pete's upstairs recording his podcast with someone with else, Jim Gaffigan or we, Neil oh, Brennan. Yeah, other people on your kill it's list. Like, oh, nice. Now you want to murder them? Great. But then I'd go home and I'd be playing games with you, bro. Yeah, I also realize it's like, oh, I'm always around. No, <laughs> what a no, terrible. Not in, not in a horrible way, but I'm like, <laughs> well, there is an urgency to get your Jim yeah, Gaffigan. Like if when Gaffigan's he's in town, you in gotta, from New York, yeah, and you never know where Neil Brennan's going to be. Yeah. And Steve Agee, you are the reliable. The way you look is how you are. You're lovable. You're safe. You're soft. Stupid. Oh, you're so stupid. <laughs> huh? Yeah, you really look like a real bottom feeder. What's that? Yeah, just grabbing the fruit that's rotten on the ground, you dummy. <laughs> you dummy. It is the easiest fruit to get. <laughs> you don't even like low-hanging fruit. You pick up the rotten fruit. Off the ground. Off the ground, and you don't even wipe it, you no. Neanderthal. No. No, I mean that. You're, you're a very comfortable comforting person you're a good a lot of people love you right yeah you go into sarah k silverman's home and you're greeted with a portrait of oh, you jesus right at the fucking door but larger you, than life but you know why because everybody I, no one's ever been like uh hey uh steve agee's coming and no one's ever been like ah fuck you know what I mean? I'm glad. I'm you're, glad you're, 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 like, you're like a space heater. You're a delight. It's I'm always sure, welcome. I'm sure there's got to be a circle somewhere where somebody is not. Somebody into, would be like, Ugh, really? Yeah, some like in a hollowed out volcano. Doesn't that bum you out though that they're to think that everybody probably has that. Probably has somebody somewhere that's like. Ugh. Well, if you want to get weird right off the top, I this is something that I'm trying to figure out as I mature as a person and as a performer is that yeah. you're not going to be for everybody personally, no. professionally, as a performer or just as a guy. Yeah. As somebody who's spent most of his life trying to be liked, always trying to bridge the gaps in high school between jocks and nerds, in comedy between everybody and everybody. And then and then on a long enough timeline you just start going, I can't do it. <laughs> Some people are just going to be he's not for me. Well, I can understand it as a performer. Sure. Like I can understand people like going, uh, not for me. I and I accept that. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of foul, and you know, you I, mean I your stand up? Yeah, and so I'm totally fine with people going. I don't think he's funny, right? I'm totally fine with that. It's just as a person, if someone was like, I fucking hate that guy, yeah. it would crush me. Yes, I would be like, why? You know what's weird? I'm fully aware that there have to be just so many people that I know and probably see on the regular that the moment I walk away, they're like, gee, fucking turn it off, Pete. I hate your stupid face. Just maybe. can't stand my face. I can't see that, but maybe. There's got to be. I, I can see it. I don't know what that says about me. And you can see it for yourself because I can't see it for you. Yeah. Who would? You're... There's got to be you're people, like, though. You're mac and cheese, man. You're comfort food. I'm a ham and egger. Yeah. That sounded so weird. <laughs> you're a ham and egger? I, when I went to uh, school, there was a – I went to school with a guy who was from Pittsburgh, and uh, he used to call, like, your average Joe everyday people ham and egger. Oh and I loved God. that saying. He's like – He's just like, yeah, this dude was a real ham and egger. Like salt of the earth. Yeah. Regular I good love people. that term. And you're a ham and egger. I think so. You're pretty exotic, know. though. You're pretty exotic. <laughs> you're, 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 you're like quail eggs. I'm like a mulatto. I'm really yeah. exotic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like a black person with green eyes. Oh, you're like, does seal that. have green eyes? I don't know. Up here he does. A lot of Jamaicans have green eyes. Really? Mm-hmm. Jamaican me I can't I'm a fun I might be totally racist saying that and it might not be true but I know well, some Jamaican people that have green eyes that, and, I, I, and think, I love it okay and because it's positive I think that's okay 
But so, you know, your mac and cheese, your ham and eggs, your sure. comforting. White bread. No, stop stop <laughs> taking what I'm saying and diminishing it. People know you from the Sarah Silverman show and from your stand-up comedy. Probably just the Sarah Silverman show. Well, yeah, I know, that's where I knew you from. I remember the first time I saw you right here at Meltdown. And I do too. I remember that. <clears throat> and I did. I need a lawyer. That was the first time I had done I need a lawyer. Oh, it's so funny. And because you thought it was funny, I was like, oh, I'll keep doing it. I was, I was pretty, uh, pretty starstruck when we first met. Really? Which is I funny because I I'm... never watched the show, but you're a fucking, you're a fuck off dude. Look at how fucking big you are. You're a big bowl of mac and cheese. Yeah, we're big guys. Yeah, but you make me I look. I was like, oh, this Pete guy's awesome. He's like big and kind of heavy like me. Right. And now you lost all this weight. Well, still big, still big dudes. You're the yeah. only, you, can, you can easily pick me up, toss me around. Not with my bad back, Pete. Oh, don't say that. Is that true? I have back problems. Most tall people have back problems. You're saying, so not only are you informing me that you have back problems, which makes me sad, you're telling me that that's my future? Probably. How old are you? Crispy Barone. Are you in your 30s yet? Yeah, I'm 32. Oh, okay. So it's around the corner? Yeah, it'll start pretty soon. It's around the corner. How old are you? 42. Really, bro? Mm -hmm. You're doing good, man. I definitely thought we were both in our 30s. No, I wish. Why? What's so bad about forties? You're all everything. You, you can le- <laughs> read leather-bound like, books and smoke. You're a pipe. middle-aged. It's like ah, no, come on. Yeah, I'm 42. I will probably not live to be 80. What four? Oh shit! It just I will be like, so. I'm middle-aged. If I die tomorrow, <laughs> I was middle-aged in my 20s. You know? Yeah. Oh, that is troubling. Once you get to that age where it's no longer like a huge tragedy that you died, it's like. <laughs> Steve Agee, yeah. 42, died. Yeah. You're like, yeah, he was yeah. in his 40s. He <laughs> ate a lot of fast food. Of course he died. We were just talking. You're taking it easy on the cheese. Yeah. Oh, man. I, I'm actually very interested in nutrition. I love talking about I what am people too. do uh, sexually, spiritually, and also <laughs> the least interesting, nutritionally. You are taking it easy on cheese, not because cheese is gross. You love pizza. Love. I love anything with cheese. Quesadillas. Ah, that's just Mexican pizza. Cheese is my. Uh, it's so hard for me to quit. It's a, and like when you think about it, I'm like, oh, I'm trying to quit dairy, and for me, it's allergy related. You know? Yeah, well, that's what we were saying is that it's it does create stuff in your face. A lot of mucus. Ugh, I didn't want to say mucus for it's me. Such a gross word. It is for it's me. Such a gross word. It gives me really bad headaches. I I had pizza like two nights ago and woke up at five in the morning with a headache. Like, have you ever get a headache in your eyeball? Like, around well, your I've, eye? You know what I mean? Wait, that's weird because I've had an ocular migraine, which I'm I've still get, recovering I get from. ocular migraines. You get, like, it looks like you're tripping? I get this jagged line that's, like, vibrating colors. Yeah. And mine's I, mine's uh, more of a crescent moon. Mine's crescent-shaped. Yeah. Jagged. Yeah. And it blurs your vision for 20 minutes. Yeah. it's I can almost set my clock by, like... As soon as I I see, and it starts off really small, and it just keeps oh, getting bigger. Like is a, that how like it works a hole for you? In the film. It's only happened to me once. Why? But they when I went, I went to a neuro ophthalmologist. Yeah, and it was terrifying because you don't want them to be like we you don't have want to it, operate. Yeah, you don't want them to be quiet, and you hear the click of their pen, and you're just like, that's not good. You, you know, they told me it was an ocular migraine. It's not a big deal. It can happen to anybody, mm-hmm. and it's basically a migraine that's so deep in your brain that you don't feel it. Yeah, not comforting. I get them like once a year. But they told me that it might be because of what you eat. Sure. So are you thinking that dairy is a trigger for these ocular migraines? I think so, yeah. Yeah, you might want to eat Because I think what I'm having is a migraine, like a really mild – because it's not a head-splitting headache. You yeah. know what I mean? 
but it's similar to what I get after the ocular migraines, which is a dull, you know, headache where I uh. a lot of times think I'm having a stroke because oh no, I kind of my I have trouble focusing after I get an ocular migraine. Yeah, like a lot you of mean people visually focusing or focusing both. Yeah. Like when you're having the actual ocular migraine, which you looks can't, like a trip, if you could enjoy it, it would you be can't kind of... read. It's really miserable because it's this bright light, but when you close your eyes, it's still there. Yeah, like it's just there, no escaping. And it's on the film. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the gate is dirty. I can't believe this happens to you. I've never met anybody else. I, I'm only encouraging you that this is interesting because if I had heard this podcast, I would have been like, "Oh my god, that's happened to me." I you think you're gonna die? You think you're gonna die? And I didn't start getting them until I was like 35. Well, I'm 32, and yeah. I was in, I was in the writers' room at the show I was on, and you're sitting there playing a game. The, game. the name of the game is "How long will I allow this eye to be freaking out before I calmly say to someone, I gotta get please drive me to the hospital'? Yeah, because I couldn't drive. I was having a psychedelic trip in one of my eyes. Yeah, and so you're like, there's nothing comforting you can think. And if you ask a room full of comedy writers, they're all death obsessed and just kind of like make fun yeah, of you. It's probably a tumor. Like that's that's what everybody said. They were like, it's probably a tumor. It was really nice knowing you. And I was like, fuck, I'm dead. Uh, but it's not, apparently it's nothing. No, but, and the, yeah, but it, it went away. They go away, and for me, they last. The ocular, my, the visual part of it, half an hour, and yeah. it is gone. But yeah. then I have a really dull. Headache, like not painful at all, just this kind of <laughs> residual, almost like a hangover. Will you tell your ecstasy story? One time I was going to do ecstasy, and I'm afraid I've never done anything that's not of the earth. I've smoked your marijuana cigarettes, and I've had mushrooms a handful mm-hmm. of times. And then uh, someone gave me some ecstasy, and I was like, mm-hmm. I'm not going to do this ecstasy. But uh, Did you know, I talk you out of it? Um, I had, I, I, not, not to discredit you, I, you were part of the survey. But I think I never thought I was really going to do it. To be honest, I, I, I'm I don't know. I, I'm not comfortable with uh, narcotics as a whole. And the reason I can justify mushrooms is I'm like I'm doing what like fucking it's natural. It's natural. It's not yeah. Kill me. I'm afraid of anything that has some sort of like Super Nintendo logo on it, like some little bomb with yeah. A fuse and you don't lit. know what psycho made this in their garage yeah. and put. He has no care for me. How are we going to get back to him? And and then and then people always would so calmly be like, "Oh, well, it was probably laced with heroin." I'm like, oh, "Fucking what? Excuse me, what? Yeah, of course it's it's crazy. It's crazy." So I, I gave it away. I gave it away to someone we. Who'd both, you give it to? I can't say. <laughs> oh, you wouldn't care. I don't. No, don't tell uh, me afterwards. Okay, I'll tell you afterwards. Although all your listeners are now like, "No, come on." Yeah. Um, but uh, I'll I'll uh, fucking forget it. Oh, so but I was gonna do it, and then you were like, "Don't do it." And this is really this is weird. Now we're really getting weird. Tell me your ecstasy story because I fucking loved it. You took well. It. The reason I said for you not to do it is be, and I'm not saying people shouldn't do it. Yeah, like people, what some you want to do. do some... I I have always been had this uh, theory for myself that. I wanted to try everything at least once. Yeah. Like everything, even heroin. I was like, I want to try everything yeah. once just to say I did it. Who is it? Leo Allen is like, what if I make it to 80, I'm just going to start. He's a very fun comedian. You should look yeah, up. Yeah, he's very he, funny. He's like, he, I think he has a bit where he's like, if I make it to 80, 90, I'm just going to start doing heroin because fuck it, I'm going to die and I'd like to see what that's like. And yeah. And so I, but I'm kind of like you and I prefer the earthy. Natural drugs, Crispy pot, brown. mushrooms. Yeah, um, but I have 
pretty much tried almost everything. And I, this was about 10 years ago. I hadn't tried ecstasy. And <laughs> I love this story. I was hanging out with this girl who I had a huge crush on. Always a good combo. Really wanted to have sex with. New drugs, new girls. And we were hanging out at her apartment. <laughs> and just out of the blue, she was like looking through one of her drawers. And she's like, oh, my God, I have ecstasy. She's like, I just found some ecstasy I forgot I had. You want to do it? And in my head, I was like, no, I don't want to do it because oh. I'm a hypochondriac and I'm paranoid. I always go yeah. to the worst case scenario. We were just talking about how cheese gives you brain migraines. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, in my head, no, but like, I really wanted to have sex with this girl. And I was like, well, ecstasy, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen on ecstasy. Sure. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. And uh, <laughs> you just fucking took it. And she it, handed it to me, and I knew that if I didn't do it instantly, I would uh, look like a out. puss. Oh yeah! So oh, I was like, okay. So I immediately just popped it in my mouth and swallowed it. And as soon as I swallowed it, I was going, "Oh fuck! What did I just do?" Like yeah. I set myself up for a horrible oh, trip. Oh no! That is the worst. You, when you've put something inside of you, and you're aware that you're not in the mind space to have a good trip. See, I had you a bad have a shitty trip. I had a bad mushroom trip once, mm-hmm. and I, as I was kind of like the second it started, I was like, "Of course." I was also with a girl that I was kind of like, "I think I might like this girl." And then I took this drug, and I was like, "The fuck! This is the worst situation." Once your brain goes to mm-hmm. a dark place yes. when when you've taken drugs, it's gonna fester and, yeah that's and the stay soil there. that the drug takes root in and you're gonna grow a nasty fucking scary tree yeah so, so you so it's going down dry so i took this pill <laughs> I, I probably did take it dry i don't remember but i, I immediately started doing the uh, nervous like so um oh God. how long does it take for this to sit oh, in jesus and she's like oh probably an hour and then oh, i was like fuck fucking an hour of sitting here regretting this yeah and, and then, waiting for a, a like a train to show up, basically yeah. a train filled a train with, that's going to take me to a concentration camp. <laughs> yes, and, and it's filled with clown demons. Yes, and you're just like, and I asked, I bought the ticket for the train, but part of me was still a little excited. Like maybe it'll be great. Like maybe I'm going to have sex. Maybe I'm going to have some great stories. Yeah, and so she was like, well, let's not just sit here and wait. She's like, let's go to the mall, <laughs> and this was at night. But it was during the summer, like the mall was open to like eight or nine, and so we went. It was like seven o'clock. Outdoor mall, Burbank, the, like the media center. Oh, okay. Indoors, and we get there, and it is closed, <laughs> but the doors are open. So we go into the mall, and it is pitch black. But someone left the the, the doors open. I don't remember this part of the story. This oh is yeah, like this is night I, at I've, the museum. I always skip this part because it's really boring to me. But we walked. I, this into isn't the, boring at all. This sounds like the coolest. No, we go in like the gates are down on all the stores, but you can actually walk through the mall. Yeah, in pitch black. But the ecstasy hasn't kicked in yet, so I'm just walking around bored, and so and you're like, there's a curves that's closed. Yeah, and but that I would be waiting to hear like the. Of like a, a mutant rat yes, that's hunting a giant you or something. Beetle. Yeah, basically us when we play Borderlands. That's what I'd yes. be waiting for. <laughs> I would be waiting for the zombie of Doctor Ned. So we, uh, yeah, Ned. pretty good reference. So we decide to leave there, and she's like, "Let's." And it's been almost an hour at this point. She's a small person, not a midget. She's just shorter <laughs> than me. <laughs> I didn't think you called. Uh, she's yeah. a little person. Yeah. No. And so it's hit her now. She's like. Hi. In the mall still? 
Yeah, and I'm not. Now that Curbs is really interesting. Yeah, and she's like, wow, I'm really feeling it. And I'm like, I'm not. And I'm like, Because you're Andre the Giant. and it's Yeah, I'm like, maybe it's not going to do anything because I'm such a big guy. And and I start to relax. I'm like, okay, if it hasn't hit me by now, it's not going to hit me. So she's like, let's go to the beach. I'm like, all right. And so she drives. I don't know. That's a horrible idea. But... We're driving down the 134 freeway, and we're near Coldwater Canyon. And she's like, you still don't feel anything. I'm like, no. Yeah, you're not driving. And I'm in the passenger seat. She's like, maybe if you chew some gum. She's like, sometimes the smell, like, kicks it in. And I'm like, all right. So she reaches off of the steering wheel and reaches for her purse. And as she does that, I go to, with my left hand, grab the steering wheel and hold it for her. And when I do that, I accidentally hit the windshield wipers. And when the windshield wipers cross the windshield, it was like a wipe in a movie that immediately sent everything from normal into literally it looked like when a spaceship in sci-fi movies goes into hyperspace and all the lights just come at you. It was instantaneous dude it wasn't a grad it was instantaneous it's exactly what it looked like and it was way too much for me to take at once and i like started hyperventilating i was like pull it get off the freeway i'm gonna puke and she's like what and i'm like pull over we get off at cold water stop at the chevron station and as soon as the car stopped all the lights went backwards like when they stop yeah. going from hyperspace and it just slows down and everything Whoa. was fucking normal again. And um That's insane. And I was like, wow. I was like, that was weird, but I'm fine now. We can go. So we start driving. And it happened a couple more times. And then finally she's like, let's just go back to my house. I'm like, cool. I'm just making this the story so long. But <laughs> no, don't rush it at all. I'm delighted. But we end up like in her room with our shirts off. Not sexual at all. Just rubbing lotion on each other for about seven hours. Like, it, felt, it feels amazing, dude. Ecstasy feels amazing. And like but it wasn't sexual for me at all. It was just like, whoa. For like seven hours, just two idiots like right. whoa. Wow. Just and, connecting. And then finally we go to bed and I wake up the next day and I had to go to a family family reunion. And so you I, took the Millennium Falcon. I, I, <laughs> Like, I'm going to be late unless we can go uh, parsecs. Uh, I wake up feeling like I had been mugged and beaten with bricks the night before. Like I didn't know where this came from. <laughs> like, I woke up and it felt like someone took a baseball bat and just beat me over the back. Oh, like, yeah, because don't hour. you get really depressed, too? Yeah, it drains all your serotonin. So, like, serotonin is what makes, makes you, you happy. feel happy. And so that... <laughs> None of that existed in my body. Because you used it all the night before with your uh, yeah. with your Aveeno. And I was super depressed. Like, sure. More than I've ever de- been depressed in my At life. At a family reunion? And I go to the family reunion, and I'm sitting there, and everybody is, you know, there's like 20 people there, and sitting around having dinner, and everyone's like, ah, happy to see each other. <laughs> I haven't seen you. And I couldn't talk. I was just sitting there staring at my food, sitting next to my mom. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I started bawling. Like, oh, oh no, sobbing. No, 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 crying no, no, no. As though my fucking wife had been murdered or something. Oh, I was just like, no. like wailing at the dinner table. And like everyone is like, oh, 
what the fuck is wrong with you? And I was like, it's just too much to go into. Like, I was like, ah. I couldn't stop crying, but I didn't want to tell them that I did drugs. Right. And so I was, just, I was just like, oh, it's just some personal shit going on. I can't get into it. I just got to go lay down. Oh, my God. I went up to my old bedroom and slept for like, you know. Wait, this was in your old childhood home? Yeah. <laughs> and I slept for oh. like six goddamn hours. Oh, Woke up, still feeling depressed, but not as bad. And it, it took like a couple days for that shit to wear off. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of it. That's part. Well, every element of that story is part part of why I didn't want to do it. Believe me, it sounds wonderful to be all lotiony with some. Were you touching boobies, by the way? That's the whole time I was mm-hmm. like boobies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Still not sexual. No, rubbing lotion on. Yeah, it was weird. Boobies? It's getting getting me kind of. <laughs> uh, so so the the loss of control of being in the car and the wipe and not knowing when the experience is going to begin and sustain heighten lower just like that loss of control with someone you don't know in a car going pl- like not even safe not even like in a safe place but oh. driving with someone else that's high and then uh, and then the the depression afterwards also always just seemed like a bad deal but I, and I know people that have like that'll do have or have done in the past like ecstasy like multiple times a week. Yeah, and are fine. The person I gave it to told me that he did it like every night, six nights in a row, and didn't have a down, didn't <sighs> didn't feel down at all. And I was like, well, we're just different people, aren't we? Yeah, it's the person you know, and it was the same. I didn't do heroin, but I had the chance to do it once. What what does that mean? Somebody, uh, I was somebody at a friend's house, and his brother came over, and his brother had heroin, and he's like... It's always someone's brother. And he like <laughs> was like, dude, he's like, I got heroin. And none of us had tried it. He's like, let's smoke it. Yeah. And I was like, all right. You I was, were going to smoke like, heroin. I was like, I'm in my friend's house. It's safe here. And you know, I was like, I trust these people. And so uh, my friend uh, took a huge hit of heroin. Of the smoke heroin. Smoked some heroin, passed it to his brother. <laughs> is this in a bong or a joint? Pipe. As his brother is smoking it, my friend starts puking uncontrollably. <laughs> uncontrollably puking. His friend hands me the pipe, and as I'm about to hit it, he starts puking uncontrollably. And I was like, yeah, I probably should have smoked this first because now I'm not going to smoke this. <laughs> oh, Because I have a God. crazy aversion to puking. Well, Steve, you should. Well, no, but some people are like, yeah, I puke like once a month from drinking. I, yeah. I haven't puked in like 24 years. That's a good run. That's a very and good run. The crazy thing is I think about it constantly. <laughs> like, I'm always like, oh, I hope I don't puke today. <laughs> really? I'm, oh, yeah. I am terrified of puking. Really? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's like your, that's for some reason puking. Yeah. I think about earthquakes a lot. Not <clears throat> me. It's puking. Like I think about it literally every day. Puking. Puking. What's the big deal? You do a little puke, you feel better afterwards. From I what bet, I remember. Those guys just puked and they smoked heroin. I bet they felt fantastic. They felt fine. <laughs> yeah. But from what I remember, it's a horrible thing. I've only puked like maybe five times in my life. You got, let's Three puke. of them from being drunk. Let's puke right now. No. Ugh, no. I'm obsessed with it. I am obsessed with it. Why? I don't know. It seems so... It seems like the worst thing in the world. Like, if someone were to say to me, you have one wish, I would probably wish that 
I for certain will never puke again for the rest of my life. <laughs> that would be a not, great not flying. I wish I could fly or turn <laughs> invisible. I'd be like, I don't want to ever puke again. That's cr- yeah. I there's almost like a ritualistic look. I'm with you. Nobody likes puking. <laughs> no, but when you feel shitty. And then it dawns on you. You're like, oh, there's something I can do. I can puke. In fact, on my bad mushroom trip, that was one of the only times in my life that I had to like pull the trigger and make myself puke. And if you hate puking, you're going to really hate puking when you're tripping balls. Well, <laughs> it was the worst. The puke looked like a little alien fetus in the yeah, toilet. Yeah, I've done mushrooms a horrible. few times. And that's the only, usually the only time that I'm ever close to puking. This is something oh, about it. Oh, it does make you feel it Makes sick. you a little nauseous for yeah. a while. You just got to ride it out. Ride it out. I'm not, a, I'm not a big drug person uh, because I'm, I'm like you. Uh, my paranoia isn't necessarily puking, but it is kind of preservation of my brain. I'm always gauging, how do I feel? Am I li- Are you going to puke? <laughs> no, I just burped. <laughs> <laughs> I'm constantly – one of the things we have to do as comedians is be aware when are we feeling – when are the pistons firing? When are the yeah. synapses connecting? Can you turn it on? You've been on a set. You have to do a scene for the show. You have to be on. Mm-hmm. You do a show at 8 p.m. You have to be on. Mm-hmm. So I remember like Kumail and I starting – would uh, we had that in common that we had this almost kind of like paranoid obsession with you want to eat three hours before the show? Oh, I know. Yeah, you want to. We even yeah. were like, you don't want to jerk off before the show, or you do want to. I know. I, I have different. But the thing is, is they all have opinions. Should you jerk off before the show? Some people would say absolutely not. Some people would say yes. Yeah. Some people should say you should sleep a lot before it. Some people should say you should be sleep deprived. Are Food. you a no jerk off? Uh, it can go either way for me. Yeah, for me if I have a matter. big show, like before my album, I I I really took myself to dinner a lot that day, <laughs> and I, I it's because you're nervous. It's an anxiety reducer. Yeah, yeah. And you're bored. You're really really bored. Like I recorded in San Francisco. Time like, goes by so slow when you're so waiting for a slow. show. Oh yeah, like I'd hang out with my friend uh, Chris Thayer. He's this great comedian uh, in San Francisco. We would hang out during the day, uh, and uh, great guy. He's he's a he's a newer comedian. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you say great. I said great comedian. That's like Louis is a great comedian. Chris is a good comedian, and he's a and he's a great guy. Great guy. I don't really, I don't know why I had to qualify that. Was that awkward? Well, that's the name of the show. Chris, I love <laughs> I love you, buddy. Uh, so anyway, I'd hang out with uh, my friend Chris during the day, and then uh, at like four o'clock, I'd be like, okay, I'm done being social. Go back to the hotel. Show's not for four hours. You try not to jerk off three times. <laughs> That, and you know what else? When you're in a hotel, <laughs> yeah, jerk off way more than when you're at home. Oh, there's, it's beautiful. There's those little hand towels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. You can just throw them around and uh, maids clean it up. Yeah. It's all part of the fun. I will almost jerk off just because I'm in a hotel. Like, There's something about walking into a nice, clean hotel that just kind of makes you go like, I earned this. Yep. <laughs> Steve Agee, humorless. Yep. yep. Just agreeing. Yeah. Completely agreeing. Well, you're smoking an electronic weed cigarette right now. Yeah. Mm. I've stepped up my pot smoking mainly because of the headaches that I'm having right now. That's what Kurt said about his stomach problems. I call Kurt Cobain Kurt. Uh, <laughs> and, I, and I think heroin's the same as weed. Um, I'm obsessed with Kurt Cobain. Uh, Are you really? A little bit. Lately, I have been. And he really, he did, he had those horrible stomach problems and back problems. Not a tall guy, but he had back problems. And he said that once he started doing uh, drugs, and I think by that he means heroin, Mm -hmm. he didn't get them anymore. So that's you. To a degree. Without the the fame and money and uh, tragedy. Oh, yeah, that's true. You've you've outlived him by a long, he was 27, I believe, when he died. 27 or 28. crazy? It's 
I I saw them in concert a couple times. You did? Yeah. That's awesome. They're and great. you're friends with Fiona Apple. Or you know Recently, her. Recently, friends. I, oh, I've opened See, mac her. and cheese people. Everybody loves mac and cheese. You're mac and cheese. <laughs> Fiona Apple goes, who's this guy? I can't, I can't put my finger on it, but I love me some white cheddar mac and cheese. No, she's awesome. I uh, had the pleasure of opening for her at Largo a couple months ago. And then was it you guys became buddies? Just talk about it. Kind of but I, I don't know. I mean, we're not like hanging out buddies, her, but we're you ever friendly. call her Fiona? Nope. Will you? Fiona? No. What up, Fiona? Would, that sounds horrible. Fiona Apple. Hey, Fiona. Fiona. It sounds Answer like. Answer your Fiona, Fiona. <laughs> Fiona. Pierce. This is a guy asking Fiona Apple, who he's close enough with to have a nickname for her, to answer her Blackberry. Fiona. Answer to the Fiona. <laughs> I fucked up. You fucked it up a little bit. You do it. Fiona, you, you do it. It's better when you do it. Fiona. Answer the Fiona. <laughs> you did it again. No, did I? Phone. Fiona. Answer the phone. I actually think Fionn might be better the way you were doing it. Uh, I love her. I think she's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, you're also friends with Ellen Page, which you just showed me a video of you that you made with her. She seems cool. She's good. I this is all the mac and cheese theory. I man. hate talking about this kind of stuff, but yeah, I, I mean, why we, we met on a movie and we're friends. That's... She's the coolest. She's cool. I don't know. I thought that would be interesting. You've met her. I right? haven't. No, no, I haven't met her. Oh. I don't know. We don't have to talk about that stuff. Well, we can. So I was really into the heroin stuff. <laughs> Fion! Fion! How did you get into comedy? Let's talk about comedy. We kind of we started okay, yeah. on a topic that we've never really got gotten that into, which is drugs. Although I would like you can smoke weed and function. That's something I have never ever. I've smoked weed because I know when to s- stop. I know my cap. Yeah, I've probably smoked weed thirty thirty five times in my life. Holy shit! Yeah, not a lot of times. I didn't used to. Yeah. When did you start? Well, I mean, I did in high school because that's what you do when you're in high school. See, if I had smoked weed in high school, goodbye. You'd never have heard of it. And then I kind of stopped for a long time, you know, a little bit through college when I moved to L.A. and, you know, was hanging out with musicians and I was in a band myself. I would smoke. Oh, that's right. You're Um, quite musical. But never a lot. And then... um, yeah, when I started doing Sarah's show. Oh, that's when you're <laughs> yeah. like, this is it. Like Brian smokes a lot of pot. Or he doesn't smoke pot anymore, but he used to smoke pot. Is it because he has a kid, you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Got a kid. He hasn't smoked in probably close to a year now, I, I wow. think. Wow, And uh, but yeah. But so you got on the Sarah, Sarah Silverman program. It kind of, that's when it kind of picked and then up. You Not were, like... Un- and then you I don't do it a lot. And then the dealers dropping off bricks of green. But man. when I got my medical license, that's when it really, really went off. went crazy. And I honestly got it because I suffer. I suffer from vertigo. I, I've had vertigo for twenty years. <laughs> I'm just laughing in your face. I know <laughs> it's a comedy disease. Vertigo. Uh, that's a real. That's I know. Real shit, I know. Dude. It's a real it's thing. Debilitating. I can't believe my response and it was to laugh. <laughs> Tell me about it. It affects me mentally you know why? so Arrested badly. Arrested Development, man. I'm just thinking of... Uh, oh, yeah. What's her name? Liza uh, uh, Minnelli. Liza Minnelli. And it's not far from that. Really? Yeah. You get real I spinny? will get to where the room is looks like it's spinning. And I still, to this day, cannot figure out how it's not spinning. My eyes are open. Why does it look like it's spinning? Why does and it I look have like it's no, spinning? Fucking balance. And you take medicine for this? No. Well, I started you smoking smoke, pot, and you, pot helped me. Really? I literally, that's why I got my license. I was like... You're like a legit 
You're not like I'm one of the legit. Let's make Rush Hour Two funnier. You're no, like I, was I like, have fucking vertigo. It's like nothing helps with the nausea except yeah. pot. It's funny when I went and I I have my medical marijuana card just because I was like this is insane mm-hmm. that you can do this. Mm-hmm. And you know what part of me was like I'd like to be a good host. Like if you come over to my house, I have I have weed. If you'd like some weed, oh why haven't I been to your house? Yeah, haven't you? Mm-mm. You're gonna love my couch, man. It's fucking huge. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Anyway, I went in and I tried to be honest. They fill out the paperwork and it's medical paperwork. And I checked like, Good yeah, host. headache. <laughs> <laughs> I checked good host. I'd like to be a good host. Hospitable. <laughs> Hospitality. Rush hour two. It says it right here. Rush, Rush hour, hour two. two. Terry Gilliam movies. Yeah, Racer head. Huge couch. It's all on here. Ugh. And uh, I che- I remember what I checked. I checked uh, uh, help- sleep aid, like because that's true. Yeah. Weed will definitely help you sleep. Yeah. And headaches, mm-hmm. that's true as well. And then I just gave them that, and they were like, "You have to check at least like four or five things." And I was like, "What? What is this bullshit?" I mean, you know, I'm lying. Now I'm like scoliosis. Yeah, it's <laughs> rickets. It's obvious to most people, but I, and for me, I do like to get high once in a while, but like. It really was because I could get vertigo. pot anytime sure. from any one of my friends. Sure. It was vertigo. I wanted to have it when I needed it. Yeah. And I didn't want to be afraid of getting busted by the police or something. Right. Right. Yeah. right. Okay. Well, let's bring it back to – let's bring it up to uh, comedy. comedy. So how did you get into uh, – which came first, Sarah K. Silverman show or the standing up comedy? Well, this is crazy. When I was – Probably, you know, sixth grade, about the age when everyone starts buying music. Yep. You know, when your friends independently go to record stores and buy cassette tapes at yep. that time or yep. whatever. Yep. My friends were all buying, you know, like Stevie Wonder or Michael Jackson, all that sh- stuff. <laughs> shit. It's good music. <laughs> Why am I saying shit? All that stuff. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was buying, like, my first album was George Carlin, I think, A Place for My Stuff. Um, but. I, I got a, a Christmas present once that was a little transistor radio. Like it was mono. It had one earpiece that would go in your ear. And Sunday nights I would lay in bed and listen to Dr. Demento. And oh, like, yeah, sure. That was my first, you know, experience with, you know, comedy. And like. And so how old you? And Dr. Demento wasn't just stand-up. It was like music and like yeah. weird sketches. It's and like, like what Weird Al was into. Yeah. And I fucking loved Weird Al. And – but also, that's where I heard George Carlin for the first time. He would play clips from his albums. And the first thing I bought was George Carlin. And all I bought for years was, like, Eddie Murphy, George Carlin, uh, Cosby. Like, any stand-up. I, I wanted to be a stand-up, but right. I didn't think it was possible. Yeah. I remember when you interviewed Nick, I was listening to him saying, I didn't think it was a possible career choice because I didn't know anyone. Right. And um, I didn't think it was possible. And it wasn't until I came to L.A. to be a musician that, like, yeah, I was like meeting people who did comedy, and I was like, oh, so but I had done comedy it. was very important to you. I'm always interested Huge. in stuff. Uh, childhood brain peaks around twelve. Mm-hmm. Thank you, NPR. So if comedy becomes important to you before or around the age of 12, yeah. which it did, mm-hmm. it'll be important to you the rest of your life. Totally. Which I wish someone had told me when I was 12. I would have like learned Hebrew or something. But like, <laughs> that's what I regret. You want to not really... You want to not vomit my one wish. Can I please Hebrew. speak Hebrew? I'd mm. really like to get along. The Rosetta Stone. Yeah. <laughs> please 
Please just give me the road. That's what they give me. I have to learn it. I just want you to bestow it upon me. It's a lovely language. Um, oh, I put down Hebrew. No, but and I had tried stand up. Like I tried it when I was, you know, like eighteen or nineteen. There was a place in uh uh like out near Ontario or Montclair, I think it, I don't know if it's still there, it was like the laugh stop or something. They had an open mic? And yeah, I went to an open mic. And, were your jokes uh, about being tall? My first jokes were I, about being tall. Yeah, but they were just they were horrible and <laughs> like. And then I I did it and I I loved it. Like I did it my first time and like I got laughs. It wasn't great or anything, but like I got laughs and I went back, did it again. And somebody that I met there was like, oh, you know, there's a there's a place in Pasadena, the Ice House. Yeah, they have an annex and they do like comedy you can audition for. And I I start doing the Ice House Annex. I was like 19 or 20. Really? And then uh, the guy who booked it, I, I think his name's Dave McNary, and I think he still does it. He's like, oh, you're pretty funny. You should... Uh, he's like, I can give you the names of some other people that put on shows around town. Yeah. And he gave me the name of this guy, and I wish I could remember him. He was a, a, a black comedian who put on a show, and he had like three three names, like J. Michael Keith or something right, like that. Right, right. If he was a white guy, that means serial killer. Yeah. But black guy, pretty funny, pretty funny guy. <laughs> and uh, so I called him, and he's like, "Oh yeah, Dave. Uh, Dave c- told me about you. He's like, I did a show, and it was in Burbank, you know, over near, you know, y- what's now the the mall. The tr- there the wasn't even mall. a mall there. The trip mall, yeah. And uh, I went and did it, and it turned out it was more like an urban comedy show. It was like I was the only white guy. Oh no. It was like all black comedians, all black audience. He didn't tell you. And I ate shit like. And my girlfriend was with me, and she was sat in the back of the room laughing her ass off, not at me, but at the at fucking the situation. situation. Like, oh. she was in tears, and I was oh. fuming because I could see her back there, like, convulsing. Oh, no. That is the worst. And I ate shit. Absolute silence. And, I, you know, and it was in, like, a restaurant Did or you? something. And, like, oh. so it wasn't one of those things where you can't see the audience. I saw every face looking at me. And like, you remember them, don't you? Oh, I can still see them. Yeah. I was like, you can like, sketch them. What the fuck is this guy doing? Yes. And uh, after that, I didn't do comedy for years. Because of that? Because of that. I was like, I was like, well, you know, a comedian should be able to perform in front of anybody and make them laugh. And I was like, black people hate me. I'm not going to do this oh shit anymore. Oh, my God. And I fucking stopped for years. No comedian took you aside and was like, look, man, it's hard because no. uh, you're this and that. And no. You probably would have eaten shit in a regular room at that point. I still re- eat regular. shit I now just... and then, but now, and now I know that it's right. just part of the fucking business. Yeah. And uh, So then you went into music. Yeah. I was playing in so a band. That is so weird. You got, you got totally derailed because of one bad show. The worst show. Like, What if you could go back and watch yourself and then afterwards go up and go... I wouldn't want to watch myself. I would, would not want to watch that. Uh, I'm like sweating right now thinking about how oh, awkward it was. God, it makes me feel awkward. I've not, I don't think I've ever even told this story before. Really? Yeah, and it was... Do you remember any joke you did? Please tell me you remember, or any line you said. What did you say I think at the there end? Was a, I don't remember, but I, I remember having a joke to the effect that my dad was a doctor. Yeah. And I remember having a joke of like uh, um, being really bummed out because my dad is in the hospital. Oh, no. He's oh, a good. Doctor. He's a doctor. And like that was my best joke. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was shitty at best. Yeah. <laughs> like that's. Like, I've bad. heard that joke so many times yeah, 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 since. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, that's one of the reasons it's not bad. Everyone's everyone's doing it. It's got to be okay. Uh, 
do you remember what you said at the end? Because the reason I ask, there were a number of stories uh, uh, or bombs that I remember coming up that you'd close and it's dead silent. So you say the last line of your act, mm-hmm. which for me it was probably something like, and that's why puppies aren't called cuppies, oh, right? I, I, I'm just yeah. making fun of myself. Yeah. And then there's just dead silence, and but that was supposed to be the closer, the big cuppies closer. And then I'd just go, well, that's it. Like you have to say something or just like, thank, thank you. Yeah, I think it was just thank you. Good night. Yeah, it was and then brutal. Yeah. Yeah, courtesy claps. And then, ladies and gentlemen, earthquake. <laughs> and then I, yeah. <laughs> then so I just you retreat, stuck to music. You retreated into music. Yeah, and that's actually, I wasn't living in L.A. at the time. I was living in Riverside, which is an hour away. Okay. And I moved to L.A. to play music and with what, my band. What was your band? Or it was what like is? kind of punkish. I know? was also in a punk band. Have we ever talked about that? I don't think so. I was in a punk band called Nude. What'd you play? Bass. I played bass. Yeah, of course we did. We were called the Grazers. Grazers? Yeah. That's fucking... That's we were a, awesome. That sounds like another term for your ham and eggers. He's just kind he's of a, a grazer. grazer. He's a ham and egger. <laughs> yes. You know, he's mac and cheese. You yeah. know what I mean? Just like regular he's a grazer. Guys. But, yeah, I like gra- that. Grazers. We, yeah, we wanted, we, yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, growing... Well, in Riverside, when we were playing, um, there weren't a lot of bands there. And so when bigger bands would come through, mostly you OC bands, like No Doubt or like Sublime and shit... They would let us open for them because, Holy shit. and so we thought we were huge shit. We're like, let's go to L.A. and like immediately broke up, you know. Uh, oh and but God. I, for some reason, stayed in L.A. I enrolled in this music school. I'm really glad you did because I wanted to learn to read music. Because I was like, well, maybe I can be a session player on albums and stuff. So I learned how to read music and proper technique. And uh, I met a girl who was taking classes at the Groundlings Theater, and I went to a show with her. A sketch comedy show, and I was like, "Fuck, this is amazing!" And uh, another weird thing is, like years earlier, I knew a lot of people from Groundlings went to SNL. So when I was in like high school or something, I called the theater and was like, "I want to be in your company." <coughs> they're really? like, "Well, you have to audition and take classes." And I'm like, "What a fucking scam!" And I like hung up on them, and that was it. What? And so when I went, I was like, "Oh, this place is kind of legit," and so. That's where I was for like the next five years. Like, Did you t- end up studying there? Yeah, took t- classes. I worked there. Really? Um, I didn't know you were a Groundlings guy. I didn't get into the company, but I went through all the levels and the classes. That's how I like, was with IO in Chicago. Yeah. I never ended up on a team, but I, I went through uh, one through three there and then i started doing it elsewhere. Yeah. But I'm a little more, I'm still interested in, in, the, in the Grazers. You, did you uh, do vocals? Backing vocals. You were yeah. backing oh, vocals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was how how what band did you sound the most like? We were really Green Day E and Operation Ivy. We were more like a it sounded kind of like a <laughs> like a Buzzcocks um, social distortion kind of. Okay, yeah. okay. I say you know, that because I don't know either of those bands. Oh my god! Never mind the Buzzcocks. Buzzcocks. No, no. Even, Buzzcocks. Even, even, orgasmatic. Even Katie song. knows the Buzzcocks, and she's like twelve. They're great. Well, she has a, a rich library. I'll play you some Buzzcocks. I bet I would love it. I actually, I, I would go to the Middle East, which is in Cambridge, and, and I loved a lot of local fucking Boston hardcore punk bands, which is really, really funny, because I go there on Saturday, and on Sunday I go to church. Just different <laughs> different jackets, really. Mm-hmm. I had a leather-studded jacket. Did you have, I believe it. Do you have any of oh, that yeah, shit? Yeah. Isn't that weird? 
denim jacket with patches all over oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted the Operation Ivy, the, the skanking guy on the back. <laughs> I don't think I had the balls to put skanking. anything on the back. You were into ska. I did like, well, I liked Operation Ivy. Boston's, they were from. Uh, I never from really there. liked the Boston's. I like the Boston's now, but when I was that, back then, I, I think they were too commercial or something. Like, because they were yeah. really just starting to blow up. Yeah. And I'd go and see them. And for some reason, I resented how popular they were. What was my fucking problem? I don't know. They're good. I like them. But yeah, I don't really like ska. This, this, it never really grabbed yeah. me. But it's fun to dance to if you're white. Sure, it's easy to dance That's to. What I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Skanking. So you come, wh- who, who broke up the band? Basically, the singer, he... Uh, What's his name? Trey? Tim. His I was dad, pretty close. Three letters, His T? dad was a youth pastor. Oh, I love him. And basically, you know, was like not happy that Tim wanted to be a musician. He uh-huh. wanted him to continue in his footsteps. Raise the praise. Tim kind of eventually gave into that and eventually moved to Michigan to a seminary and became a, a pastor. Really? Yeah. That's so interesting. I'm, and when I'm he dropped out of the band, it was like, you know, our guitar player... I, I I forget it's all kind of cloudy, but it's basically like I don't want to play if Tim's not going to play, and I was like, well, I don't want to just play with the drummer. I want you were a four piece, yeah. He was just the singer. Mm-hmm. You could have... play guitar a little bit too. Okay, and uh, so that that was that. That's crazy. I'm I'm interested in that uh, that need that is met. Uh, it's it's like show business, man. Teachers, pastors, musicians, comedians. It all kind of feels the same to me. Yeah. Like there's that there's an itch in you, and I wonder. I, there's this great old clip when Woody Allen was on a panel show with Billy Graham, and Billy, I've seen that. you've seen it, yeah. And Billy Graham says to Woody Allen, he's like, "You should you should come to the church. Do you have any idea how persuasive and and eloquent and great you would be?" And you can see on Woody Allen's face, in my interpretation, one, he's thinking of fifty jokes that are inappropriate for television at that time. <laughs> but if I'm reading it correctly, there's a one percent like, hmm. do you really think I? Maybe. Do you yeah. really think I could change people's lives? Like yeah. that's something in all of us. Like we, yeah. I think we'd like to better people's lives, even if it is through music or being a t- It's all show business. The crazy thing was Tim was the only one who went on to do any kind of like – he started like a, a Christian rock band. Oh, playing And they were playing like See the lead stadiums singer. with like in these big, you know, Christian festivals. Yeah. Like, playing to like – Huge crowds, and I was like, "Yeah, who would have thunk?" Yeah, and in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, "We're a Christian band." No, I don't want to. I don't want to put down Plank Eye yeah. or Third Day or uh, Jars of Clay. Jars these of are, Clay. These are some good. It's very much like that. I yeah. actually love those. Were the bands I listened to in high school a lot? I'm very embarrassed to say that. <laughs> don't be embarrassed. Own it. But it's yeah. It's got to be. It's it's DC Talk. You don't know DC Talk? Sounds familiar. Yeah, they're pretty big. Jesus freak. Anyway, uh, so the band breaks up. You want to become a studio guy. You go to the Groundlings, and now now you started doing improv. I'm guessing. Yeah, and the whole time I would every now and then try an open mic here and there. Still dabbling. Like, eh. what did, did you find? Stand up was scarier then. I'm, I'm interested. Terrifying. I'm interested in, in the transition between improv and stand up. That's a transition I've made, and that's a transition. Terrifying, I've and a lot, a lot of, of reasons it's terrifying is I am very non confrontational, and one of my biggest fears is hecklers. Not so much now, like I can kind of get around it and deal yeah. with that shit. But yeah. like at the time, I was just like, I don't want to have to fucking single somebody out in an audience who Comfort. might fucking snap and then attack me with a bottle. You know uh, what I mean? I was just like, 
good overactive imagination. Yeah, I always go to worst case scenario. Sure, sure, sure. Head. That's interesting. Uh, Mike Mike DiStefano, the late great, uh, talked about on WTF uh, there being uh, mobsters in the crowd, and people were doing crowd work to them, and he had to be like, "Don't the, this this guy will murder you." Like, yeah. you really, and I was like, "Oh, it's weird that I've never considered that." But let's talk about hecklers. We've never really talked about hecklers on this show. Most stand-ups, hecklers to me seems like a side effect. If comedy is a drug, then they're like side effects include heckling. You know what I mean? Heckling, loss of sleep, loss of appetite, fear of vomiting. But if you look further, you'll see like side effects only occur in uh, 7% of of cases. And and it happened in placebo as well. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the first thing you're going to look at and it's the first thing that you're going to have to consider. But honestly, heckling doesn't happen too often. I can't. Yeah. I can't count. I can count. I can count on one hand the number of times I've been straight up heckled, and it's normally at the beginning, and it's normally almost every time. I'm kind of like a peacemaking kind of person. I know that I'm so jealous of you for that. Why is that? You're very. You're you're very. I I don't know. There's something about you that's very like. You can diffuse something just by being so charming uh, and like well, wanting to be liked. I don't know if it's that, but like it, you're well, very likable. It, it, it's because I grew up kind of trying to calm down my family yeah. and watching people misunderstand each other. So oftentimes, if you're heckled, the response that I often would take was like, "What's what's going on?" You know what I mean? I just kind of try and yeah. get into what's happening yeah. in their day. There were times that, like you at the family reunion, people would not break down and cry, but you could see them be like, "Yeah, I really." Shouldn't have said I lost anything. my job today. You know, like something oh, would yeah, come out yeah, and, yeah. And, and, and they'd just be like, or they think they're helping and they just need to be told that they're helping, not helping, I mean, or they're really drunk and they just need to be told to be quiet. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, like, I'm trying to think one time, I, I remember one time someone yelled, uh, uh, <laughs> next, Ugh. which I think is the, cl- that, I mean, I, I was almost in awe of that heckle. Yeah. It was a show where they were like. Seven comedians, and it was in Chicago, and someone goes, next. And I was like, oh, my God. Uh, that's the war. You can't, you can't what do you go. What you say to that? You can't go, what's happening in your day? You know, there's none of that. I mean, like, I couldn't even see him. He was in the back. He, it, was, it was like a sniper. I was dead. Next. One word. Uh, and, and, you know, but that happens so infrequently that when people tell me uh, they, they'd like to do stand-up or they'd like to do something, but they're afraid of heckling. I think I'd like to think that people are a little bit more savvy now. We're also audiences. at a time where a lot of clubs are less tolerant of that shit. They right. won't hesitate to fucking throw somebody out. In who's... fact, more often, if you and I were mm, sorry, you and I were at the improv recently, and that show, I think that we were both on, someone was talking in the front, and I actually didn't mind. I didn't. You really... told the what the. There were three the bouncer or whatever. It's okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. The bouncer came over, and I had to be. And then, then it looks like you're the ambassador of the man. Like you're, know, it's this, like your right. security. You have to be like, no, it's okay. No, he's cool. fine. He's fine. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. We're cool. I've also the last time I think I was heckled was a guy, a friend of mine, brought his girlfriend, and she kept answering rhetorical questions. Oh, I hate that. And I kept doing that, and she'd yell out the answer, and then I looked at her. And this was a situation where you had to tell a drunk uh, broad, she was a drunk broad, to be, to be quiet and, uh, and uh, like, shut the fuck up, actually. Like, that had to come out of my face. But he was with my friend. And, uh, and the look on his face was pure shame. Pure, yeah. And they broke up. They broke up because of that. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and then two, two or three weeks later, I was at a party where she was. And she was like, I can't put my finger on it, but I think I've seen you somewhere before. And I'm like, you stupid fucking... 
you, twat. you dumb twat. <laughs> and I didn't say anything. I was like, yeah, I don't know what it is. Ugh, they're the worst. I love calling girls broads. I wish they liked it. Some of them are all right with it. I think. Some of them are okay. Like the a cool broads, a fiery broad, a real broad doesn't mind. Being yeah, broad. I guess it's because it sounds like they're fat. I think it sounds like they're strong. Yeah, it's like a totally crumb. Like a, I bet crumb called women broads. I like to, <laughs> like to sketch a real thick Bukowski. Broad. Yeah, of course. Bukowski was like, I just want to fuck a broad tonight. I fuck a broad. Yeah, not a, not a chick, not a woman, a fucking broad. I want to make man. some broad tonight. Yes. <laughs> Yes! I want to make some, some, the dismissive, I want to make some, some bro- broad. Make. Doesn't matter who. Oh, oh, but it's also kind of wonderful. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just my problem. All right, so we're, you, you're doing comedy, and then where does, uh, where does the Sarah show come in? Actually, it came with me getting kicked out of the Groundlings. Like, I did, went through the whole program, and it comes to a point where they have to vote you in or vote you out. No. I got voted out. Which after like is there a torch ceremony after like four or five years? Well, you do a show like for your your like final class, your advanced oh, level no. class. You write for like twelve weeks and do a show, and then the company comes and votes on you. And there were only like two people who came to the show, so only two people could vote from the company. Oh my! Like gosh. it wasn't like everyone came and said, "Oh yeah, we gotta have Ag in the show." Yeah, it was like two people who didn't like me, and they're like, "Fuck him, fuck that Ag guy," and then immediately. Four years of my life was over, and I was like, "It's like getting released from prison." You're like, "Now what do I yeah. do?" Yeah, uh, Brooks was here. I was so depressed and like had to go to See, therapy. Ooh, really? Yeah, which turned out being the best thing ever. But then that can be in disguise. That's what's difficult about improv is you're dependent on a theater, a director, and a team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what draws a lot of these misfits like you yourself, mm-hmm. Angie, uh, that you're you're booted. And you could either get a hotel room and carve a goodbye in the wall and hang yourself, Shawshank. Yeah. Or you could start doing stand-up. Well, yeah, I did sketch comedy with friends and, uh, you know, different people, like around town. Uh, Ellen, who you work with. Oh, Ellen Kramer. Yeah. Not Ellen Page. Ellen Kramer, who was my uh, hilarious boss. Yeah, we did a sketch show together. And uh, and then I met someone and I did a play that he had written in this really small theater. Stoppard. And then... Uh, and then he did a play that a friend of his wrote, and like two days before the play was supposed to happen, one of the guys dropped out of the play. I thought you were going to say dropped in. And it had to be like kind of a funny guy who could also play guitar. So my friend was like, hey, my buddy Steve would be great. Wow. So I came in, learned the parts, did the play, and the guy who was... In two days? Yeah, yeah. That's pretty intense. The guy who, who wrote the play and was actually kind of starring in it was Dave Juskow, who's a New York comedian who's one of Sarah's... Silverman's best friends. Okay. And she was at opening night and we started talking afterwards and immediately hit it off. Like we're just boom. You like, know why? Why? Crispy? Mac and cheese. <laughs> you bet it's crispy on top. Salt and pepper. Yeah. Salt and pepper, mac and cheese. And that's how I met Sarah and we became instantly close. Yeah. And like Smash Cut to your pic your picture hanging up in her apartment. Hung out constantly, you know. I can, I can see, I can, I can immediately see you guys hanging out. I can see you getting along with anybody, but Sarah is very calm as well, which I really like about her because she she could be neurotic. She, yeah. You know what I mean? She could be sitting around reading. And this uh, was at a time when Sarah was, you know, had a lot of free time. Yeah. She was just basically doing a lot of stand-up, occasionally guest starring on stuff. Right. But um, nothing made So we both had like a lot of free time. Pre-SNL. Oh, she was on SNL. This was, no, SNL for her was like 93 or so something. This was like, 
99 or 2000. Uh huh. And, um, you so know, you guys are thick as thieves. Yeah. Mac and cheese and the Sarah. And she wrote me onto her show. And, and then, oh, she wrote it for you. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, I love, I love when stuff like that happens. In fact, I think she, I don't know if we can talk about that, but I love when people are writing shows and there's some character named Steve and you're like, we all know. Yeah. And, and then you kind of supersede, you go around show business. Suddenly yeah. it's not agents, managers. It's like the creative people making the show that they want to make with the people they want to make it. It's like, hey, I'm doing a show. You're going to be in it. Right. It's like, oh, okay. That's awesome. And, you know, I met Laura. This is way before the show, but I met Laura through Sarah, obviously. And Laura used to book a stand-up night at this place called the Martini Lounge, uh-huh. which then became the Larchmont, which is now torn down. It's like right on the corner of Melrose and Larchmont. There's a vacant lot right now, which used to be that place. And so I started doing stand-up again at that place. So now you're doing – you went from doing stand-up in pretty shitty places to doing like pretty nice – Okay gigs. places. And then Sarah's show really opened the door for me. Yeah. And like at that I mean point, in a huge way. How much uh, – I, I don't really like this question, but it I keeps coming in my mind. At that point, how much material did you think you had? Did you have a lot of material or were you no, just kind of dabbling? Like, like just dabbling. I was you like, rotating the same – Laura would be like, oh, do you want to come do my show? I'd be like, yeah, okay. And I would just go and just – I I had nothing to lose, you know, because I was like, I was working in reality TV and I was like, I got a job, so I'm not going to lose anything if I do a bad set. And it was just like five minutes and, and then Sarah's show happened and then it was just like, hey, do you want to come to the improv and do a set? And I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, really in kind of over my head and like, I remember this was huge. Sarah asked me to go open for her at Stanford University. Uh-huh. And she's like, I don't need anyone to come open for me. She's like, I can just go do a show. She's like, but I don't like hanging out by myself. She's like, it's f- more fun if I have a friend with yeah, me. Yeah, we call that the Steve Martin clause. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, I'll, of course. And oh no, at first I was like, I don't have 20 minutes of shit to do. And she was like, just I was always making videos. That's one of the things we bonded on. Sarah loved the dumb videos that I would make. Happy Halloween. She's like, yeah. She's like, just show some of your videos and do some jokes. And she's like, that'll take up 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah. oh, good idea. So I made a DVD. We went up to Stanford. The day of the show, we show up. I thought it was going to be in like a little student union. Uh, it's like a 1,200-seat theater. It was fucking huge like having panic attacks the second we walked in i was like oh fuck no no immediately had uh what martha kelly and i called diarrhea arrival (laughs) when you get to a gig and you think you're in over your head we're like and you immediately get diarrhea martha kelly and i call that diarrhea arrival oh no oh and uh i was like oh fucking kill me and then i go to the the guy our handler or whatever i'm like who do i give this dvd to and he's like oh we don't have a projector oh sarah just started laughing she was like "Uh," shrug she's like well just go out and do something and i was like fuck so i immediately just sat down and started writing you know like maybe i can talk about this maybe i can talk about this maybe i can talk about this like sick to my stomach the whole afternoon and then uh i went out and um these these were people who this, we, this was the first season of our show. Our show was Show's already on. happening. Shows on. These were people who actually knew who I was, and I've never experienced that before. And like, I didn't even have to do material. I walked out and just started talking, and like, would have huge applause breaks. And I was like, 
All right. Ah. Oh, I've got it figured out. Okay. Okay. I just got to be cool and look at, calm. Look at this guy's hat. Woo! <laughs> I could have gone half an hour, I think. And so show's over, and I was like on the biggest fucking high I've ever had in my life. That, yeah. that night really stands out to me. And then uh, the next night, I had a set at the Improv here in Hollywood. And I was so fucking cocky. Oh. And I walk in, and it was a full room. And I'm like, I'm just going to do the same shit I did last night. The second I opened my mouth, it was fucking silence. For like what I did for 20 minutes the night before, I probably went through in about four minutes. Like I was just like, I didn't want to stop talking because the silence was making me so uncomfortable. You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, I don't want to hear silence. So I'm not going to stop talking. And like, I don't even think I waited for the light. I was just like, all right, good night. And I was like, done. That is just, you're just touching on something that's so interesting in comedy. This is something that, uh, club owners would tell me too. It happens the phenomenon of like Sunday night, Sunday night syndrome. If you do a club on a Saturday and it's just piping hot, eight o'clock, ten o'clock show, just great shows. Sunday eight o'clock, that's the humility pill. Third of the room, you swallow it just to remember. That's what's so interesting and kind of speedballish about stand-up. It's this great upper, and then there are these intense downers, and you mix them together. And I think that's. I think we're kind of addicted to both. Or yeah. the danger of the of the bad one. I'm yeah. not sure. But so you realize that's so funny because I've done like when Best Week Ever was on, I would I got that false thing would come out. It was it certainly was nowhere as big as Sarah's show. I wasn't nearly as recognizable as you were. But just because it was called the Best Week Ever Live Tour, you'd go out and I was like, I think I can do 30 minutes just about the school. Yeah. I I, w- I was like Bob Hope backstage. I'd go, What's the name of the cafeteria? What's the name of the monument in the middle of the school? What's it look like? Is there yeah. a, a, a dorm? That What's the all-girls dorm? It's called Evans? Okay. You're doing it like a corporate event. Yeah. And then I go out and be like, where are the Evans girls? Uh, they're all synced up. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, uh, colleges are the best. It is, I, would, I just thought you were going to shit on it. No, I actually love best. it. And I, I loved what I was doing. I, I was doing good comedy about them. It just happened to be received on steroids. It was yeah. just completely blown out of proportion. Uh, and, and then and then I started touring by myself without Best Week Ever there. And uh, that stuff that used to get like a huge uh, applause would just get like uh, an acknowledging chuckle, mm-hmm. which is fine. That's that's yeah. that, that's running with weights. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting, man. So then you're doing the show and now you realize that you're not the invincible I was shit, like, man. okay, this is... Uh, you're going to have to figure... You have to get... Your- this is basically the same experience that made me stop doing stand-up like... Oh, my God, yes. Ten years earlier. Yes. was like, oh, that was a horrible experience. But I, for some reason, I was like, I'll just keep trying. Well, th- now, it, I'd like to think you had the wind underneath you of the show. But if you hadn't had the show, maybe that could have made you be like, fuck this again, call up Tim and start a Christian band. <laughs> Called as the deer. Oh man, we're as the deer. One, two, three, four. Uh, I don't have a song. Yeah, uh, it, yeah. So you had, to, it was, you had to get your chops somewhere. And I was like, okay, I need to just kind of actually write shit. And that's another thing. I was writing jokes that I hated, like interesting punchline setup type shit. You yeah. know, like yeah, yeah. So hot last week. I was masturbating and shot a load of sweat. <laughs> you know that uh, kind of dumb shit. Shit that like is kind of funny, but like not fun, really hacky. And I was right. just like, 
I hated everything I was doing. Well, that's that yearning. You know that you want to make good comedy, but you couldn't necessarily do it yet. I didn't have a voice. You had the desire. This is one of the frustrations of any creative pursuit. You can have the desire, and I talk to everybody about this. It comes up time and time again. It's burning like oil in your stomach, and you want to do well. You uh, want to kill, and you want it to be original and funny and smart and provocative and everything, and then you go up and you have to be like, I jerked off and sweat came out, and that's you for four years. Yeah, and it was like, I hated doing it, but I was like, well, what is a joke? You know, punchlines. So I would just, like, okay, heat, it was hot, what? And it was right. just so formulated and, like, not funny to me at all, and I just hated it. So you weren't doing comedy that you liked. Right, for a long time. But and, now you are. And then I was hanging out with Janine Garofalo one night at Largo, and we were backstage, and I was talking about how I hated almost everything I was doing. And yeah. she was like, so don't do that shit. She, was, she basically was the one who was like, just be conversational. Talk about shit that bothers you. Talk about real yeah. shit. Yeah. Not fucking Sweat. the weather. Sweat, or, you know. Oh. Three people walk into a bar. Don't do that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you don't like it. So you want to be happy with what you're doing. And uh, she really changed it for me. She's like, so, it she's, was that. She can be so nurturing and loving. I totally. love that. I love that. And um, that that's what changed everything. I'm Maybe, so like, happy. love doing comedy. I'm so happy to hear that. So she changed, like, on a train track. She pulled the thing that made you go down the other. Yeah. There's, like, a handful of people that really made a difference for me. Obviously, Sarah yep. was the first one. Janine was huge in the aspect that she helped me figure out my voice. Fionn. No. <laughs> uh, um, and Zach Galifianakis for putting me on my first show at Largo. Largo oh. changed everything. Largo is like, some people it's like, oh, the improv is my club. Like, yeah. For me, it's Largo is like, well, I love Largo. I hardly ever have a bad experience there. I fucking love it so much. That's actually one of my one of my favorite memories. I don't want this to be weird, but I was doing stand up at Largo, and it was just very surreal. I'd always wanted to get in there, you know, perform there because guys like you were doing it. I'm doing it. It was Sarah's show, so Sarah brings me up, and I come out I'm doing stand up. This is just a gratitude moment, and it's going well. And you're in the wings, laughing mm-hmm. and taking pictures. Yeah, and I'm like. Ah, that's the fucking best. Largo is, and Largo is so special to me because when I was in LA, first came to LA and was doing music, I would go to Largo to watch the comedian. Like every Monday at Largo was like comedy night and it was like all the Mr. Show people. Yeah. And I was just like in heaven every Monday going to Largo. And And then Zach put you on a show. Zach guest guest starred on Sarah's show and that's when I met him. Yeah. And uh, he called me one day like, you know, like a week or two after we did the show, and he was like, "Hey, you want to do Largo tonight?" I was like, almost crying. I'm like, "Thank you." Yes, <laughs> you and said it in was... the wrong order. You want to do uh, Largo tonight? Thank you. Yes, yes, that's great. And it was uh, really fun. I mean, it was just—I think it was just me and Zach and E from Eels. Who? He's oh yeah, you musician. showed me Eels. Yep. He just—he opened, did some awesome songs. It was just really <laughs> surreal and. Uh, and Flanagan, the owner, like took a liking to me, and so he's always old Flanny. throwing me bones. Yeah. I love that guy. The last time we were there, this is what a great way for us to get into sex. The, the last time we were there, oh, sex is one of the t- you know that. Oh, I know what you're. I yeah, know yeah, where yeah. you're going sex, with this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the last time Odessa. we were there, is that the guy? What is Odessa? Is that the guy's name in the Ukraine? 
Is that the town? The city. Well, it's the town. Or country. I don't know. So it was a friend <laughs> of Russell Brand. Yeah. Was, saw both of us and uh, was like, you guys, uh, you got to go to Odessa in Ukraine. Yeah. And we were like, what? And he was like, you got to uh, go because you'll be like Puff Daddy and Notorious B.I.G. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. And he was like, you'll go and you'll spend $3 and it'll just be strippers and hookers and drugs and liquor. And we were sitting there and I felt you considering it more than me. Oh, I was really considering it. It sounded so goddamn good. It's like, wow, this guy's really selling it. I was sitting there being like, because he was telling us that's where celebrities, not that we're celebrities, but he was like, this is where like fucking celebrities that can't sow their oats in the Do states because they'll get it, they'll get paparazzi'd. Go to U- the Ukraine, and I was like. I would never do that, but I—it was this weird type of politeness that I've never exper- exercised uh, before or since that I had to pretend with an outlaw. <laughs> I consider this man an outlaw. I think it <laughs> but, was. I think he's basically Russell's bodyguard. Okay, not that he's really an outlaw, but he, th- here's a guy who's clearly comfortable just getting it wet in all sorts of shady ways. <laughs> and here's uh, Johnny Friendly Face that just wants some uh, samosa cookies and a nice nap. And he's talking about you know strippers and all and fucking and how many of them do anal and all that sort of stuff. And I was like, I'm being polite by pretending like I'm even entertaining. This. I'm like, yeah, me and Steve are gonna go. And, I thought uh, you were into it. I was like, fucking Pete, come on, next spring we're going to Odessa. We did talk about it. It seemed appealing because of nice hotels. But I, I said it at the time. I was like, he's like, for some reason, all the girls there are under twenty five. It's amazing. And I was like, that's because when they turn 26, they get traded off. They're sold. Yeah, they're sold into sex slavery. Yeah. How the fuck can you get a lap dance from somebody and you're like, you smell like a box, you poor thing. And this dude was. Break a window and save your ass. This guy was like out of a fucking Guy Ritchie movie, right? Mm -hmm. He like had the. You go to Odessa. Right. Okay, you're going to go to Odessa. You're going to talk to my buddy Jimmy Shotgun. The hardest birds you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> I'm telling you, mate. Like kind of a shaved, cockney, shaved northern England You like accent. a soft cervix? What did you say? Do you like soft. a soft cervix? Did I fucking stutter? <laughs> Give me the diamond. Boy, yeah. you're going to fuck this shit. We were both having a really hard time understanding it, but also no problem at all. It was. It was shot in that like Technicolor, super slow motion weirdness. But it was me and you, two oafs, <laughs> two goddamn snowmen, abominable, sitting and listening about a sex pitch that I, I didn't want to do. <laughs> you, where are you with uh, women? We've talked about this before. Because Steve and I play video games together yeah we like gears we like uh borderlands yeah uh red dead and we've never played that together. No. can you play that together i don't think so um, i don't know maybe that'd yeah. be pretty sweet anyway so we we wear the headsets and it's kind of like guys fishing it's like the 2012 version of fishing yeah we're playing the game but we also, also kind of your moral support through a breakup that's that true you were having. that's right so i was just going through a breakup so of course we're playing a lot of borderlands yeah and we're in our separate yeah. Apartments yeah. playing. And yeah. it's just like we're fucking killing people and driving around in a car yeah. together. It was very I'm comforting because like, you're like level 57 and I'm level 12. Yeah, and I'm killing anyone of danger. And I'm just like, fuck her, Pete. Ah. You just got to go out and get your dick wet again. In man. weird ways. Getting yeah. it wet in weird ways. Well, we talked about girls and I was I was curious about what you were doing. And you said that you're, you kind of – it seemed to me like you don't really like the trouble. Of a relationship. I haven't had a girlfriend in, like, years. 
like six, probably six years, and I kind of love it. Yeah. You know, every now and then, every now and then, I will get laid, but it's been, you know, a long, 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 long time. Well, that's what's interesting. On one hand, we have relationships, and I'm a big relationship guy, and I love them, and I have loved them. I'm feeling a little. I'm feeling like it's not right for me right now. I feel like we're breaking up. It's not right for me right now, but uh, I I know that they're wonderful. I know that they can uh, magnify and make life Absolutely. better. But then there's also this weird uh, Steve Agee side of me that's also <laughs> not to call it weird, but it's a different side that's just kind of like when you're alone, uh, you can do whatever the fuck you want all I the time. I love it. But and, maybe I, that, and that can be peppered with loneliness. It's, it's been so long. Like I'm at a point where I'm like, it's time. I I wouldn't mind having a girlfriend, but it's it's also I'm 42, so I you know I know what I like, and I know when I'm with a chick who I'm like attracted to, and is, I'm, but I'm also like this wouldn't in my head. I'm like this would never work out, so I just kind of push them away, and I'm just oh, like do I don't even want to get involved. You think you, know? you can figure it out pretty quickly? Yeah. That's dangerous. Like, sometimes I worry about that, where you're just like, like you have some sort of red flag, and you're like, oh, I'm just making this up. Uh, she has eight brothers. I don't want a girl with eight brothers. I dated a girl with eight brothers, and no, it sucks. It's a I'm great way of that. It's a great way of keeping yourself insulated. It's a great way of judging this shit, man. I do that kind of shit. I'm like, oh, fuck, would her family drive me insane? Probably. And then yeah. I'm also, just like, I'll just look at them and be like, I can't. Picture sitting across like a kitchen table from you. Oh my you know god! What I, mean? I, I, dinner. I thought that was a, a uniquely kind of like feminine thing, but a, a lot of guys that I know on a on a date or something see too much. In fact, just today in therapy, I was talking about this. I see too much. <laughs> if a girl uh, is flirty or something, and now we're Facebook friends, I'll look at all of her photos and I'll kind of be like, "Can I? Can I really be with this? Look at this picture at the party, and she looks drunk." You know what I mean? Like, look at her friend. How about her friend Karen? How about this? I don't know if I can go to the movies with. How about Karen. this shit, dude? When you meet a girl, and you meet them, and you're like, "Wow, I'm really attracted to them," and then they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm a, a comedian," or "Oh yeah, I'm an actor," and they're like, "I'm doing a show," and you're like, "They're coming to my show," and there's like the whole thing leading up to the show in your head. You're like, "Please fucking be funny. Please yeah. fucking be talented." Sure. You know, I imagine it's. I, I'd I'd rather watch comedy than watch someone's reel. I've done that before. I, I was one time. Uh, I went out with a girl, and she was an actress, <laughs> Kumail, who's a fucking asshole. <laughs> who's a fucking asshole? He is an asshole. I love him to death. Yeah. I he sent me a link to her reel. Mm. Somehow he knew her name. He sent me her reel, and it was terrible. <laughs> of course, it was. Terrible. Poor thing. It's hard to be young and an actress. You don't have any experience. Sure. So I'm watching some fucking student film you watched, and it's just your scenes, and you're pretending you're a housewife in your 40s and you're 26 or whatever. Yeah. And you're just like, I'm so sorry. I wish I hadn't seen this. Maybe people feel that way watching my clips. And I don't think it's a dickish <laughs> way to feel because I would totally not want to be with somebody who didn't think I was funny. Yep. Like, well, I know my sense of humor isn't for everybody. Like I would not want to be with a girl who was like, oh, God, I don't want to go see this guy perform. Yeah. Like, he's so fucking not funny. I would be like, that would kill let's you. not go out. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to be with... It's, you know? it's, it's hard. You also can't just have somebody that only, that, that somebody just adores you. I'm stealing this from my therapist, but I love ripping him off. Uh, 
because he's he's brilliant. We were talking about how like if you're a son, uh, like you're a son, and you're generating your own heat, your own energy, you're doing your own thing. So you're you you're actually a source of something. Like uh-huh. you're burning off fuel. Yeah. You can't just get somebody that's just going to be a, like a like a reflect. They can't just reflect you. It would be nice to be with somebody that's also doing their Radiating. son things. Yeah. They're their own son, and you're and and you can come together and kind of unite in that way because if you have someone that just adores you and i've done that that's like opium it's like the fucking best they think you're a genius they think everything you say is the best and it just unfortunately that's my unhealthy attraction i'll be like oh you remind me let's get weird of my mother the love that i learned from my mother was just adoration all day everything i do is perfect so i learned that that's what love from a woman is i look for that in girlfriends but then eventually on a long enough timeline i'm like i'm weirded out by it i'm weirded out by you you know some no fault of yours I feel bad about every girl I've ever broken up with. No fault of yours. You've suddenly be, you've crossed the line, and now you feel like you're draining from me. Well, it's and, like that and Woody Allen. And you're killing me. It's like that Woody Allen saying from Annie Hall, where he's quoting Groucho Marx. I wouldn't want to be a yes. member of a club that would have it. I, when a girl is really into me, I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with yeah. this person? But it's hard because they need to think. Let's talk about it. You think they need to think you're funny? That's indicative. It's how's their sense of humor? Are you going to be laughing? The best memories I have with every girlfriend I have are are laughs. It's not them laughing at me necessarily, just general joy. Yeah, laughing. A good time, Charlie. A good time, Charlie, with a fucking hot broad. <laughs> that is the best thing I've ever heard. You're just laughing, and you're laughing at them, and they're laughing, laughing at you. Couldn't we just do that all the time? That's what we're trying to do. Is I laughed with somebody the other day. Harder than I have honestly laughed in probably 10 years. Like, <clears throat> so hard that, like, I couldn't breathe. I was crying. I had cramps in my <laughs> stomach and back. And, like, I was at the point where I didn't want to laugh anymore. But I have you been there? Yeah. I could not stop laughing. Yes. I was fucking doubled over. I wanted the person to shut the fuck up so I could, like, stop fucking like I was in pain and I yeah. like but I couldn't stop laughing. And it was the best thing ever. And it was amazing. And it was heaven. Yeah. So you need I them I love that. You need some laughs. Yeah, I, because I've heard of uh the Don Rickles uh documentary I was just watching his wife like didn't really wasn't really susceptible to his charms or whatever and he liked that. Yeah. I can see that like kind of like a cat girl that you have to win their affection. I understand that. <laughs> but you also kind of want uh you want to I I don't know. I don't fucking know. Think about. I think too much. I'm interested that you think that you see the whole thing. I see the wedding. I see the family. I'm analyzing. It's like Seinfeld. It's like she eats her peas one at a time. I wish I could just fucking relax, shut off the You'll brain. You'll get there. It's uh, you know it. It's one of those things that it's cliche to say, it, but you'll just know. Yeah, and I it gets so, easier yeah. to figure it out the older you get. Like when I was in my 20s, I would just jump into a relationship with anybody. Yeah, me too. 30s, it started tapering off. Now I'm just like. I, I can already tell. 40s can't be bothered. No. Yeah. Unless somebody really special comes sure. along. I That's the problem. Like, uh, there was a girl here at Meltdown last week that I thought was very attractive. And I don't necessarily see girls that are very much my type very often. Mm-hmm. They're kind of rare. It's like unicorns. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's alt hack. Alt hack. <laughs> unicorns, ninjas. Anyway, and I saw her, and in my mind I went, oh, what if? what if I, you know, I'm a confident guy. I just go like... Oh, you're interesting. Let's 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 go eat uh, tacos standing up, <laughs> or whatever. Let's yeah. go eat blowfish, like regarding Henry. And then I'm just kind of like immediately like a retard, overthink it, and be like, "What am I gonna? 
what are we gonna what are we gonna then we're gonna sex? talk when are we gonna try and kiss her uh, yeah that, that's what me and millennia always say what are we gonna kiss what yeah. is that but i mean like yes pete be fucking hemingway live a life <sighs> worth talking about Get rid of this weird middle class morality. Get shed yourself of this puritanical fear. Do something. I'm jealous of people like that, like the Hemingways, where I, I read or I see people. I have friends that are like, they don't give a shit. They'll just live their fucking life. Meanwhile, I'm like reading WebMD on my computer in my house, going, yeah. "I think I have a tumor." You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I fucking want to be the dude who just. Doesn't care. Like, uh, I might have a tumor. Fuck it. I'm going to go out and fucking yeah, party. And live and do things. Oh, Jesus, Steve. What must, are we going to do? Must be nice. I don't know. So we're both in similar places. We're two huge motherfuckers mm-hmm. floating around, doing comedy, having a pretty good relationship with comedy. I'm bummed when uh, I was over at Warner Brothers and we didn't get to hang out the whole week we were on the same I know. Run. It was a weird week because that was like our last week. So yeah, we were writing right before finale, Christmas. Yeah. Right before Christmas. Christmas. Uh, we should talk about that. Is that we keep it crispy? Is a thing that we you okay? I don't know how yeah, to say yeah. it. I would say it. <laughs> you would laugh. So for all the people, and I know there are people that love this show and hate keep it crispy. And I'm here to tell you that I get it. I'm of not. Course. I'm not here to force keep it crispy on anybody. The it's, joke it's was dumb as shit. It's dumb <laughs> as shit. Yeah. No one thinks it's not dumb. Yeah. We tried to come up with like a fucking Polly Shore level fucking totally. stupid catchphrase that we love saying. So we'd be playing Borderlands and I'd be like, Crispy bro. Crispy bro. And we were it, imitating Polly Shore. We were doing Polly Shore. What was his? Th- what was the Weasel. The Weasel. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we would. That's what we would do. Crispy, keep it, keep it crispy, bro. And then when it's when it's bad, we go yeasty, bro. Yeasty. It's a joke. And then anytime I drive past a Krispy Kreme, I take a photo yep. and send you the crispy. It's just another thing in life for us to have. It's a little commodity. You're the only person I do yes. that shit with. Yes. obviously. And then and then on 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 Twitter, it, it became its own little thing because I kept forcing it because I thought it was so funny to insist that this become a catchphrase. And here yeah. we are saying it on the show. Yeah, it's it, it's, it's very fun. Marin said it. It was a big deal. I know because I was like I, because we end the show with a guest saying "keep it crispy," and I was like, Jesselnick didn't say it. Uh, Eugene Merman said, "I refuse to say keep it crispy." That's how he said "keep it crispy." But Marin uh, did say it, which I think is is very very funny. That's a that's a good get. <laughs> I'm just making sure no one's texting me to move my car. I'm parking people in. Oh, well, fuck them. Steve, I've really uh, very much enjoyed this. Let's bring it to the final topic, which is typically uh, God. Uh-huh. How are you doing with God? Uh, it, does... Not good. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to put it that way, yeah. how's my relationship with God? I would have to say not good because it, yeah. we're quite estranged. Yeah. <laughs> quite strange. Well, a good relationship. You're talking. You're uh, conversing. You're writing letters. You're spending time no. together. Uh, are you? Know, I grew up in a very religious yeah. community, family, much like yourself. Uh, which what flavor? Seventh Day Adventism. Oh, interesting. Which uh, a lot of people have never heard of. Yeah, I, but it's I've, you know, it's I'm not that familiar with it. What it what, it's one of the Christian religions. Bible believing. Believing Christian. in Jesus. Bible believing. You know, yeah, it's a lot like if Baptists. And Jews got together. It's like Jews for Jesus, basically. Really? Instead of Sunday being their day of worship, it's Saturday. And it's also like the Jews from sundown 
I never understood Friday night to sundown. Why Christians didn't, as a whole, take Friday night sundown to like why they didn't keep the Sabbath? I don't get it, and I don't care enough to research it. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we could look that up. You could find a, a way. Because when I was in uh, Israel, I said in Israel, there was something really kind of nice about like Friday night, everything would shut down in the Jewish quarter and stuff. Yeah. And you were like, oh, we're all going to take it easy. I really like that feeling. And we kind of get that on Sunday. There's no email even on Sunday. I mean, I know it works, but you yeah. never really get emails on Sunday. Yeah. I kind of do enjoy a day off. But well, anyway. in very Seventh-day Adventist communities, they don't get mail. Mail isn't even delivered on Saturday. Really? Yeah. It'll be delivered on Sunday. Wow, that's yeah. kind of cool. So they're kind of keeping it, keeping it Heb. It was it, very. Wait, is Heb a bad term? I just meant short for Hebrew. <laughs> I think it. I think it is. I think it's but there's a magazine called Heb. That's magazine. why I thought it was okay to say. I have a shirt that says Heb because I did a show. Anyway, I didn't mean any offense. But uh, <laughs> Katie, is that a ig- Pete Holmes, the ignorant racist? Yeah, <laughs> unintentional. Am I being racist calling you Heeb? <laughs> I didn't call anybody a Heeb. Y'all like being called Heeb? <laughs> I also, no, we don't. I also sarcastically said it's a lovely language. That was offensive <laughs> too. Offensive. So what were we saying? Okay, so you grew up super super religious. Yeah, yeah, going to church every... <laughs> that's very offensive. Saturday. Going to church. But I remember from a very young age, I would go to private Christian schools Yep, where we'd have Bible class, yep. just like science. Yeah, me too. Or geography. You'd also have Bible. New Testament, Old Testament. Yeah, and I, I remember from a very early age, you know, fourth grade or whatever, just like reading these the Bible and these stories and looking around at people in the room going... You people think this is fucking real? Really? I remember like, and I probably the first one was Noah and the Ark. I was like, there is no way there was a flood that covered the whole fucking world in 40 days. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's no way this dude built a boat that big and had every fucking animal on it. Right. And that immediately started me doubting. That's so interesting. You, Berbiglia, Jesselnik all had that like, to see, to me... Grown-ups telling me pretty much anything. It's a, it's a wonder I wasn't, uh, you know, taken advantage of as a kid. I'm not even saying that to be funny because I just trusted grown-ups. I kind of was yeah. a little bit taken advantage of in the sense intellectually. Whatever anybody told me, I was just like, you, okay. got, you got it, grown-up. Now that I am a grown-up, I'm like... I don't know shit. I don't know shit. What fucking... They, I always used to say that they used to go to great lengths and protest at my high school if our math teacher didn't have a master's degree. That's the kind of yeah. neighborhood I grew up They were like, boo, make sure they have master's degrees. And nobody was protesting at the church because the Sunday school people teaching us the secrets of the universe, the secret, like allegedly the purpose of life and afterlife and, and God, these were fucking volunteers. Yeah, and I mean... Guilty because of some... I checked out early. Yeah. I checked out from it early, but like... I still, we've talked about this, would feel the residual guilt of like fucking, almost like, God, I hope they're not right because I don't want to go to hell. You know, like feeling really guilty about like... Well, it's that pre-12 brain thing. Yeah. And like, it's like, really, you're going to put me on the same level as a murderer? Like, I'm going to go to hell with murderers because I didn't fucking give tithe i didn't yeah. give 10% of my paycheck yeah. or because i said fuck yeah Ugh, that was a, that was a big one for me yeah swearing or because i had premarital sex yeah you're going to send me to hell with 
fucking Hitler? Yeah. Like, there's no way. There's no fucking way. I know. Rational Pete sitting here with you right now, and I think you can probably relate to this, would be like, that's absurd. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't feel right to me. And then Scared Pete, uh, and I always go to the example of a bad airplane or some, some sort of scary thing. I'm like... Please, God, please don't fucking <laughs> don't smite me. Don't. I've I haven't done it in years and years and years, but every now and then it would be like, all right, God, if you're real, please don't let this plane crash. Yeah, like just like the very selfish. That's how... like, I don't want to die, God. If you are a real thing, when I when I talk to God, uh, which is not frequently, I guess it's somewhat frequently, but uh, it's it's kind of like God. This is so new agey. If I had told myself this when I was in college, I would have punched myself in the dick. But it's like. However you are, I'd like to talk to the real you. You know what I mean? Not how I understand you, but how you actually are, how you always have been and how you always will be, whether or not that's like some sort of – it is like a conscious deity. If it is an energy that's connecting and binding us all that goes throughout space and time and is in everything, that's kind of pantheism. But I'm just like, whatever it is, please show yourself to me and please help me represent what you think is good. All this sort of stuff. Very vague, new agey. I should have a crystal and like a gremlin. <laughs> I do have a gremlin, but I, I need a crystal. <laughs> I wish I had a gremlin. Well, I, so, and then, so at a young age, you were kind of like, this is not for me. I admire that. That shows, well, that shows I, decisive I, thinking. You know, when you grow up a certain religion and you only go to those schools, you're not even exposed to the other religion. I, I got sent to military school what? when I was, you know, 17. Like junior, senior year, I was like in a military school. Because you were rebelling? Because I was, yeah, fucking off crazy, getting bad grades and Uh, drinking. And and that was the first time I met, like, Catholic people and Jews. And it was like, you know, my Catholic friends would go to confessionals. And I was like, what? You have to tell somebody what you did wrong so they can tell God and get you forgiven? I'm like, that's fucking even more bullshit than what I was growing up with. There, if there's a God, he's not going to fucking listen to you directly? That's fucking crazy yeah, talk. Yeah, I That's interesting because one of the things that I don't have anxiety about, and I think this has come up on the show before, is I've never worried about Islam. You know, what if Islam's the true religion? You know what I mean? I only worry about my specific brand of Christianity and abandoning that. But oh, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not. Ba- I'm not. I think I was baptized in the Catholic Church. But like, there are things that I'm supposed to do Catholic-wise that I'm not doing. Never worry because I'm not Catholic. I grew up Protestant, so I'm like, I'm covered. I'm covered in that. Still, people as smart as we are, there's still this part of us that can just be like confused and scared pretty easily. And I'd like to think that there's something true behind it. I'd really like to think, and that's what I'm looking for. I'd really like to think that there's that, that there's a God and that He loves us, and there's a or, or she, and there's a purpose. <laughs> I, I hate people to do that. And or it, she, it loves us, and and there's a meaning and 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 love and all that sort of stuff. The true religion of love. When when Bill Hicks says that, I'm like, yeah, man, yeah, get into it. When I take mushrooms, I'm like, for fucking sure, there's a God, <laughs> and He loves us big time. And it is a dude, and his name's Larry, and he moonwalks on the clouds. Weird. That's, that's, a, that's, that's your tri- weird guy. That's huh? a trip. <laughs> no, no. Well, I like that. So and now, now you just are you looking? Or are you over it? Oh, I'm over it. Just don't just think like, about it. I don't. I think we're gonna die, and that's it. See, I was talking to Moshe about that. I was like, if we could really wrap our brains around that, Steve. Yeah. If we could really ingest the reality that this is it. I think we'd be living differently. 
if you could really wrap your brain around. We were talking about it in a bar, and there's some pretty girl next to us. And I was like, if I really could really get in touch with that idea that this is it, then it's over, you'd go up to people and just be like, hey, you're interesting. Would you like to eat a gyro and have some sex? Yeah. I, I don't mean to be rude. No, I know exactly But uh, what you mean. the clock is ticking. Uh, we could be dead at any moment. Why don't we have pleasure all the time? Isn't this what the pagans were after? Yep. <sighs> but we don't. We don't. We don't know anything. Instead, we do podcasts and we say, keep it crispy. Crispy. And we can't figure it out on the show. What if we did? There's no way. Oh, man. We would fucking be no- heroes. Number one on iTunes, Yeah, bro. they cracked the code. They found God. <laughs> God showed up. On you made it weird. That was uh, the sign that he was asking for. It's again, I got a text thinking it was to move my car, but it's not. We're okay. But I think this is a this is a great place to end, Steve Ag. Yeah, it's all right. You don't feel it's natural? No, I think it's good. Do you think it's crispy though? I do. <laughs> Steve, humorlessly, I do. Yeah, it is. Man, you were fucking fantastic. That's yeah. So are you? No. Yep. You fucking are. Hilarious. Hilarious. Mac, Mac and cheese. cheese. You're a, a good-looking good son, son of a, of a bitch. bitch. You're, You're a, a real broad lover. lover. You're, You're ham and eggs. And, and you're a grazer. So be sure to keep it crispy. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. You bet. <laughs> Now leaving Nerdist.com.